0: Hello, this is Payments & More, the Alize show. I'm Nico, CEO of Elize. Each week, I will be interviewing women and men of our industry. I will ask them about their business journey, the lessons they learned. I want to know their opinions and point of view about payments and more. I will push them to show us a different perspective, to tell us what's hot now and in the future for our industry. Enjoy the ride, this is Payments & More. our guest will be Elodie Trichet, 18 years in experience in payment, uh, 10 years of those 18 at ADN. So what else can we ask in order to understand better Asia? Elodie is based in Singapore. We will hear about how consumers are thinking in Asia, how friction is not that important. We will also speak about those local PSPs that are growing and going cross-border. We see the hurdles of regulation in some of the specific Asian countries. All this today with Elodie. You will also have the opportunity to win one week trip to Ibiza for two, as in each of our episodes. And finally, we will dig into Elodie's best kept personal secret, she's climbing volcanoes and will recommend us some destination. Welcome to Payments and More, the live show. Enjoy the ride. Elodie, welcome to Payments and More, the live show. Uh, Did I pronounce well your name? Elodie Trichet, is that right?
1: That's correct indeed.
0: You know, there is this joke in the social media about my French accent. Uh, This is a French mafia. Today, we will have double French accents. So that's good. Exactly. Hey, you know, I noticed a lot of payment experts are French. And all around the globe, you have people uh, managing the risk at Blizzard. For example, in California, they are French, Sephora US, Odigio in Spain, in Amsterdam is full of French in the fintech industry, et cetera. How do you explain that?
1: I wouldn't know. It's true in Europe, I came across a lot more French people. In Asia, I must say, I'm always the only French lady around the, around the table. But I haven't come across so many French people in in Asia specialized in fintech. But I think across the globe, when I used to work with merchants, yes, I came across indeed a lot of French people. I don't know. I think we probably have something around finance where we're quite passionate about.
0: Yeah, because when we were kids, we were using only checks in France. So I'm not sure after your studies, how did you get into payment when you joined Bibit, for example? Was it uh, by chance or...?
1: It was absolutely complete coincidence. I met my future husband at the time who was living in the Netherlands. I was living in Paris, decided to find a common ground, and I decided to move to the Netherlands. And Bibit was one of the jobs that was offered to me, and I actually did not understand payment. I was not coming from payment, but I actually find it quite fascinating that I did not really understand what was an or an acquire, and I decided to take a shot and give it a go. And I got quite addicted to it. I think there's always this thing in payment that when you start in payment, you'll never get away from payment. And that's probably what happened to me.
0: So 18 years after, you have 18 years of experience in payments. Only 15 are required to be on this show, so that's perfect. You started with Bibit, then moved to WorldPay, I suspect with the Bibit platform. Then you've been at ADN during 10 years establishing uh, all the strategic partnerships of ADN. and now you're based uh, in Singapore. You've worked for Airwallex, and you just joined the Allies team. I'm super happy to speak uh, with somebody based in Singapore. Is the future coming from Asia? Why did you go to Singapore?
1: So I was already, after the expansion of LATAM, I started focusing on APAC. So I was traveling back and forth for a few years already. And at some point... A few felt that relationship really matter in APAC and, and me going back and forth was not sufficient. So obviously, I got the opportunity to move to Singapore and it made a lot of sense for actually doing partnership. So that was a no-brainer.
0: So, you know, all our guests get an award. We are, we are giving them an award. We are going to praise you from one minute. This is the only moment of the show where you cannot speak. I don't know how many LinkedIn uh, connections you have, but setting up the partnerships at ADN seems glamorous. But in fact, I know that you've been a lot, a lot on the ground to scoot and to sign those partnerships. You've been there. So many people speak uh, about putting a foot in Asia without actually going to Asia. Uh, I must praise you for that because I know you've been traveling a lot. How many countries did you visit in Asia? How many bankers did you meet?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. I wouldn't know, to be honest. But yeah, it, it has been uh, some hectic traveling in APAC. I think I, I sold to my kids initially. Moving to Asia would reduce my travel. It actually tripled it. But no, it, it is fascinating to have the chance to travel across so many countries. I've traveled from New Zealand to up to Bangladesh, up to, of course, Korea, Japan, and any country which is in the middle.
0: So, Elodie, consumer first, how are those Asian consumers when it comes to pay? Uh, Is it different in every country? Is it roughly the same?
1: No, it's very different per country. We've got some, of course, very heavy card market like Singapore, Hong Kong, Australia. And then you have some very cash-driven country or unbanked country you know, in Philippines, for example, they're using also pawn shop to make payments, uh, which is very surprising. It's not about gold. It's about maybe paying with a chicken or paying with very something. They have 4,500 islands. And obviously payment is not that well distributed. And Indonesia, they have cash, uh, which is still very much the center of the economy, and they have a lot of convenience stores. So you walk to your 7-Eleven to pay your bill. So it's very frequent. And then in China and other countries like Korea, you have a lot of wallets wallets that are taking a big part of the economy, are becoming very popular, and it's a very digital economy.
0: So yeah, because I know you're going a lot to remote area, even for pleasure, you're meeting uh, local ethnies. Is everybody in Asia Given the opportunity to have a way to pay, or you still have some remote area where it is really cash.
1: Yeah, I think some some really remote area. I mean, like like what I was just saying about Philippines, four thousand five islands, and some islands are very small. They would not necessarily even have an ATM onto that island. So it will be mostly cash, and the way they do cash is not necessarily with a physical bank, but it could be your convenience store being serving you as a financial service. So, yeah, it is It is still very much cash-driven in a lot of remote area.
0: So we've been doing some work recently in the B2B area because you, you have all those FMCGs uh, that are uh, trying to sell either direct to consumers or they are delivering to very small shops in undeveloped country, and it's still the person delivering that is taking the cash back to the FMCG, do you see as well um, a sort of growing concern about digitalization of this cash in the B two B environment in Asia?
1: Yeah, I think it has been there's been a concern. It has been a concern on how do you secure it, how do you make sure that cash move from A to B. I think I've seen it with the people like Grab Taxi or Uber and how to pay the drivers or the driver collecting money. But then they created like another little ecosystem has been built around that economy and then they were a driver could be a collector of money or a driver vice versa like it could be used also to collect money and move money from a to z so there's been company working especially in indonesia on trying to find a way to make this work no, it doesn't answer all the question. the digitization, what you're referring to. I think it's, there's still a lot of room for growth. There's still a lot of way to do it. I think where wallets come into the discussion are actually solving some of those problems where people might be moving the cash over wallets, so from wallet to wallet instead of traditional cash. So I don't think the whole economy is there yet in full digitization. It is a concern. A lot of companies are trying to find solutions.
0: So I'm seeing that some merchants going to Asia prefer to choose the route of the marketplaces and to hand over all the management of payment to those marketplaces. Is it possible to be a, you know, a high penetration merchant in Asia only with marketplaces or you need to have a website and sell direct?
1: It depends, of course, the market you're looking at. I think, of course, if you're targeting China, joining a marketplace is, is a good approach. I think it gives you a reach to the market that is, is very significant quickly. Indeed, marketplaces here have become big and they're becoming. I can see some European brand now being uh, present on websites like Zalora or Lazada, where I would not expecting them to be there before. I think what those marketplaces solve for them is one, yes, the, the payment the payment part, but as well as the logistic part, which is also not an easy part to handle. So I think it's a good approach. I think if you haven't solved the tax and the logistic part, it's a good complementary approach to your usual cross-border shipping or payments.
0: Okay. So, you know, in Europe and in the U.S., uh, where our listeners are from, Everybody knows Alipay and WeChat who, who arrived to those markets uh, some years ago already. Alipay first and then uh, WeChat. I think at the beginning, everybody was saying, oh, they are going to roll out those payment methods, not only for Chinese consumers present in Europe, but for everybody. And everybody will be able to have a WeChat account or Alipay. Do you see that coming? Those Asian payment methods uh, invading other countries or uh, entering the race?
1: Yes, I see it accelerating right now in Southeast Asia. So what you see, especially from Alipay, I think WeChat has been a little bit less aggressive into their international expansion. Alipay has been acquiring eight different wallets in, in, in Asia. So full acquisition for licensing and for acquiring their customers. And, and they brought all those wallets under one unique technical platform called Alipay+. Plus. So now one connection to Alipay+, Plus gives you access to eight different wallets in, from the Philippines to Thailand to Vietnam to all those complex markets. I know they've been making some very strong investment in some Nordic country wallets, So it's not full acquisition. So I don't think we're there into incorporating those wallets into the mainstream platform. But I would think that at some point, they will bring more wallets that they will acquire in Africa, in Latin America, into the mainstream platform.
0: That's interesting because if I'm correct, those wallets, they have less risk associated than credit cards. They are not necessarily more expensive, and if I'm not wrong, they they also have a social media aspect around it, and and a larger environment than payment, for example, with uh, with WeChat, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I can't really, you know, the the platform, the AliPay platform, has good technical features. They allow you to do recurring payment, they allow you to do refund, they allow you to do one-click payments. Uh, So there are a couple of features. They have good reconciliation services. They have decent settlement services as well. So from a merchant point of view, especially when you look at Thailand or Vietnam, having access to a wallet that have a decent infrastructure background that will give you proper reconciliation services and refund feature into cash market, it is solving a problem. It does solve a problem.
0: So Elodie, we also noticed in some countries very fast growth of QR-based payment method. It's a case of Codi in Mexico. Recently, we've seen uh, PayPal launching uh, in their app, the QR feature. Is it something happening as well in Asia?
1: Yeah, it is quite common here and it's growing quite rapidly. So uh, like in Singapore, we have PayNow and PayNow is a QR code, peer-to-peer or B2C payments and it's the online fast bank transfer. You have this in Point of sale like Point of sale you can pay by QR code uh, using all kinds of wallets. I think like in Singapore, we have at least eight wallets based on QR code. So for Point of sale or I think Port-of-Sale is probably even more QR code than e-com, e is still have way to, I think, to grow. Uh, there's still room for more development, but point of sale, very much relevant.
0: Okay. So when, when I go to China and try to take a taxi, it's impossible with a credit card nowadays, basically. You need to have WeChat, for example. Do you think that card will be over very soon in Asia,
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I always take Indonesia as an example where they're moving from cash to wallets and they will jump the card generation. Like card generation is about what? Card in Indonesia is 5%, 10% penetration. And and now everything is going to wallets. So they're like three major wallets in Indonesia. And, And the card, of course, is not increasing. So there are some market that will not see an increase in card and and there will be this migration to wallets. That's quite obvious. The the card market like Singapore, Australia, Hong Kong, I think will still remain card days for a little bit longer.
0: Those payment methods are usually run by Private company, uh, but we are seeing some initiatives. You know, in Europe, you have EPI, for example. Uh, I was mentioning Codi in Mexico; it's from Bank of Mexico, actually. Do you have any countries where payments initiatives are coming from government, from the public sector, or is it all private?
1: Like the PINA example I was just uh, mentioning earlier in Singapore, it is a payment government initiative where they got all the banks together to work on one unique system. And I think that what also made the payment option quite successful in Singapore. I think for the overmarket, well, India is definitely, of course, taking that direction as well with UPI, uh, very popular and very much a governmental-driven uh, approach. The overmarket, I haven't seen it yet. But well possible that they're going to try to get the banks together to work together and not trying to, you know, all come up with their individual initiative, which will not be successful at the end.
0: And so for a merchant going to Asia with very high volume, usually they have their payment partner uh, from from the US or from Europe, they are going to Asia. But at very high volume, does it make sense to go to local PSPs? Because we, we hear some names like to C2P in Thailand, for example. Do you see a new generation of fintech in each country, and are they rolling out outside their native country?
1: So there there is definitely a new generation of fintech. Some people that were based in California, they came back to their home and they decided to make fintech. The truth is, because Southeast Asia is so fragmented and extremely regulated, It's not that easy to get out your market. Um, So it takes a bit of time. So once you build the foundation of your product in your own market, that you've established credibility, getting some customer traction, it will probably take you two, three years before you think about going outside of the market and going down again to full regulation and understanding the market. Every market is so different. You know, it's not like in Europe, which, you know, there is... A fundamental card base and then you can add up two or three payment options For us in Asia Indonesia has probably 10 different payment options to make it attractive and Malaysia would have 15 and Thailand would have also 12 so it's quite an investment to go outside your market. So it takes time. I think one or two are making their way to more market. What you tend to see is a lot of them will actually fall back to another players. So they will say, my market is Thailand, I want to go to Malaysia, instead of building it myself, I'm going to use a local provider. So you end up to have a gateway to gateway, which I think from a European merchant point of view, an American merchant point of view, it might not make a lot of sense from a stability point of view, from an efficiency point of view, to have a multiple layers, gateways underneath.
0: Hmm. And. Any of those players, so apart from the payment method we mentioned, the Alipay, the WeChat, uh, any of those payment processors have you on Europe one day in their roadmap or in the U.S.? Or it's really not in the agenda?
1: So they, they're they exploring. Sometimes I did receive a few requests from some of my partners in the past where they've asked if I could help them to provide acquiring services or payment options because they had local merchants that wanted to get to Europe or wanted to get to the US. So I think they are exploring how to make it work. I don't think they are yet to the point of establishing an entity truly understanding the European or the US market to fully localize. So I think they're more at the exploring stage and trying to find more partner to work with that will help them to offer some payment options or acquiring services.
0: Okay, so the other day, for example, I was speaking with a very large US merchant, only US merchants, and they were doing their plan for international expansion and they had to look at Europe. So PSD2, the SCA, and they, they told me, look, it's too complicated. We are going to Asia first, it's easier. Is it really easier when it comes to regulations in Asia? or? Again, it's very fragmented.
1: It is very fragmented. It's slightly easier in the way that the regulator, most of the regulator are not fully understanding fintech. So there's not a lot of rules around it. They are putting some rules. I mean, you've seen India the last few years, like coming up the RBI, coming up with new regulation, almost like on a by a monthly basis, Indonesia has been starting putting new rules as well. So, slowly you see it coming uh, around data protection, about where the data should be stored, about where the money goes out the country. How do you deal with this? So, it will come. For now, indeed, regulation is a little bit, for certain markets, a little bit more accessible, but it's moving fast.
0: Good. Well, if uh, there is anybody with a doubt about regulation, you're Singapore-based, so you'll be happy to answer, I'm sure, to, to our listeners. Your golden minute, Elodie. Every show, we are giving our guests a golden minute. We are not speaking, and it's a sort of game. If you want, you imagine you're the president of the association of all e-commerce merchants in the world, and you address them uh, at your annual conference, and you're doing a call to action to those merchants when it comes to Asia, what will be your pitch?
1: What will be my pitch? I would say, come and explore Asia. Try to understand the local markets. Try to not see it from your American view or your European view, thinking it's just a card market and you can just simply do it with cards. Yeah, I think you need to explore. You need to get to know your customers, the way they pay. Very surprising behaviors in some markets And just, yeah, just really understand the market before you get there. Things are very different where where I'm sitting (laughs) from my previous experience. Talk to all the players. It's a great, it's it's a partnership market. It's a relationship market. You need to build strong relationship. It's not something you can only do via emails. So come visit, understand the market talk to shoppers, how they pay, see them, watch them in the stores, how they sometimes top up two wallets to pay QR codes to get discounts and vouchers, something I don't understand. It's not frictionless the way I know it, but it's the way they like it because they like vouchers and they like cashback, very popular in this part of the world. So that would be, I would say, my pitch.
0: So going local. As a matter of fact, uh, I was listening uh, very recently at an MRC conference, um, John, with a payment manager, uh, the global payment manager for uh, Philip Morris International, you know, the ICOS, and he, ex- he was explaining to the audience he was going local. He visited the uh, Philippines several weeks, Japan, et cetera, to understand better their consumer. And indeed, they, they were behaving completely differently. So that's That's a great call to action. We'll try to have John in one of our podcasts because he's he's a fascinated uh, gentleman. Now, before we get more personal with you, Elodie, we have a game, as you know, in every episode of our show. Time flies at at the Ally show. We already arrived at the time of our game. So here is a game. I have a box on my desk with something inside related to payments. And the audience can guess what is in the allies box. There are some hints at every episode. You need to listen to the other episodes, of course, to have all the hints about this secret thing I have uh, on my box. And the winner, with guessing what's inside the box, will win a week holiday for two, two Ibiza from anywhere in the world. So that's worth trying. To play, they have to post their answer on our LinkedIn page. And they can also leave a message on our web if they wish. And you can help this audience by asking me one question and I will answer by yes or no. Elodie, what is your question to help our audience?
1: Mm, Payment related. Can it be plugged or should it be plugged?
0: Ah, that's a very, very good question. So, no. And that's one of my questions about this object, as a matter of fact, because it cannot be plugged. I have it for some years already and it still has some electricity inside. That was a hint of today. Uh, remember to post your answer and to tag us in the LinkedIn page. And if you win, you are on your way to Ibiza. Now, getting more personal, Elodie. I know you climb Volcano. You love to climb volcanoes. That's a great passion. I would say that a, a professional career is like a Volcano. And you, you had, I'm sure, up and downs. And it's been hard sometime. When did you fail, Elodie? You, you can be establishing all around the globe some partnership without failing one time.
1: No, there's certainly a lot of failure in my career. I think one of them, when I first arrived in Asia, I was very focusing on making it as frictionless as possible. Getting to the one-play, getting to the recurring payment, getting as less step as possible. I think one, for one market, it was Philippine. I've tried to make a 10-pages or 10-step payment journey to like a two-step journey. And eventually, after a few months and and a lot of work, we got there. We got to the two steps, journey, making something almost impossible to a very frictionless payment. The authorization rate dropped completely. We lost the shoppers. The shopper didn't understand the concept. They needed those information. They needed those steps. Like, I think I overthink it in my Western way friction frictionless, making it very easy, accessible. And the shoppers were not ready for that. They, they just really enjoy all the steps. So I had to roll back and went back to my first version because it just didn't work. And yeah, there's been quite some story around this one.
0: Well, I learned that in, in Korea, if the consumer don't see 3D secure when they pay by card, they tend to drop. Is that true? Or is it uh, just a rumor? <laughs>
1: No, it, it is true. So the, the challenge is the local market. So CARD do not normally go through Visa MasterCard in Korea for the domestic market. It, it, it's go on the local switch. And the local switch has a regulatory requirement to make a second-factor authentication. So any local transaction have a second-factor authentication. So when the shoppers start transacting on an international website then they will be very much surprised that there is no second-factor authentication. So they will be scared and they most likely will be dropping.
0: We were speaking about volcanoes, by the way. Is there any hidden volcano you will recommend in Asia to climb?
1: Yeah, so of course I do that with my kids. So it's not really about how high it is. It's about the experience and, and what we're trying to get out of that little journey. One I really like in, in Indonesia, it's the Ijen volcano. It's uh, in Sumatra, very close to Bali. It's, it's a beautiful volcano with an amazing story around the sulfur miners that you can go and watch at like 3 a.m. in the morning on how they collect sulfur in the crater of the volcano. And I highly recommend that trip.
0: Wow, we'll go there. Is there any present? Let's say allies becomes very rich one day. I know you have two twins as well. You're traveling with your twins. What would be the ideal present we'll go, we could do to you? The last answer I got was uh, an expensive bottle of whiskey. I'm sure it's not the case for you.
1: <laughs> no, it won't be whiskey. What would that be? You know, my biggest present right now is like if I would, Be able to go back to Europe, which is not an option as we speak for the last year and a half. And that's probably the one really high on my wishing list as we speak. Now, I don't feel I need anything. I'm not a material person or anything. Um, I do love traveling. And yeah. Yeah. Or maybe a night at the Raffles Hotel, this colonial hotel, very famous in Singapore, which is amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, maybe that could be a gift idea.
0: I'm taking note, Elodie, to thank Thank you for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anybody you really admire in the industry?
1: I would say not really. The reason why, probably, I would say that is I do like to. In Asia, it's very difficult to find, you know, very. I would say, or inspiring people across all the market. I do have my certain people I admire per market, some expert people that really understand and made me also understanding the market. So I do have like one name in every country that I really rely on and I really admire and for what they do locally but not truly on the on the global scale. I'm, I must say I've been a little bit outside the global scale, really focusing on my APAC market for the last six years. So I think that would be my answer, mostly just local expert.
0: So it's like the market, very fragmented uh, points of reference. Correct. Good Elodie, we are reaching the end of this show. You can find Elodie uh, therefore on the Volcano or getting in touch with uh, allies on LinkedIn. In our show notes, you will have Elodie's address. Do you have any one word of recommendation to the stakeholders listening to us? One or two words, just to finish our show.
1: Go local. I think go local would be my word.
0: Go local. Thank you, Elodie, for being with us today.
1: Thanks a lot for having me today.
0: Thanks for joining Payments & More, the Alive show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as we did, please share this podcast with your network. Leave us a five star review, of course, and subscribe now to payments and more in Apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is the best way not to miss any episode with great guests. You can find more information about our guests today and how to connect in the show notes or on Ally's website. Last, I love to hear from you. Please let me know your suggestion for the next episodes, guests to interview topics to address or questions you'd like me to ask to our guests in our allies LinkedIn page or in the comment section of this podcast see you in the next episode of payments and more i'm nico we are allies